My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi, friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion in the hearts to bring God's love throughout the world. When I say ignite passion, I mean it. To me, that looks like a fire started in my heart, but wherever I go, it spreads like a torch, and I hand it off to the next person. Friends, today is such a beautiful day because I'm going to talk about a secret that a lot of people don't know about. And that secret is, is that there was a woman 2,000 years ago that was trying to sneak off to this desert well. And nobody could see her. She had to hide. Let's talk about this woman. She's a good friend of mine because I can relate to her. And when I get to heaven, I am so excited to meet her. I'm just going to name this girl Susie Q. So Susie Q, in John 4, says, Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. See, at this point in his career, he was already preaching, teaching in the synagogue. He had disciples following him. It was a beautiful thing to see him travel and spread God's love throughout the countryside. Because see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were ruling Jerusalem and bringing condemnation, using more than 600 commandments to rule within their kingdom. And honestly, y'all, I can barely handle 10, okay? I don't know about you, but to be handed more than 600 commandments, that is a tall order to actually complete, okay? Because we all know we're human. So can you imagine people back then when they saw Jesus bopping around, talking about how good God is and he's his father, they thought he was blaspheming him. So it says Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. And to get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. That means that goes way back, y'all way back to the Old Testament in Joseph's time and Jacob's story. There's a great story about Jacob and his well. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. Now, if y'all can imagine, noon in the desert is not a pretty sight. It doesn't feel great. Now, unless you're in the season of early, early spring or late fall in the desert, it's pretty hot and I live in Las Vegas and I know what that feels like. Like we're talking 95 to 120 to 125 degrees and in the direct sunlight, no thank you. We're talking sweat from our brow, going down to our legs, going down to our feet and then not even being able to breathe. You feel like you're in a hot, hot oven. Like have you ever opened up the oven in the kitchen and you get that crazy like 
breath of air, it's like you go, <gasps> it takes your breath away. That's probably how this felt. It says Jesus was worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Now, little backstory about Samaritans. They were considered half-breeds. They were half-Gentile. Today's economy, we would call that people that just live in the world that aren't Jewish, living the Jewish traditions. People that just live normal, that don't really believe in God, and they're just kind of living on their feelings and their gut, and they're just going, living on their emotions, and they really don't believe in a creator. And then if you're half-breed, you're not considered pure. So in, in other words, this is a little bit of racism coming on here that's being dealt with. It's really interesting. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. And this well is deep. Woo, that's some deep revelation right there. Because this lady is telling Jesus, Susie Q, our woman at the well, that the well is deep. Then she says, are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? So she made it very clear, very clear to Jesus that this was their well in this Samaritan country, right? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. You guys know what kind of water Jesus is talking about? The water, the spiritual water, it's in another dimension of everlasting life. Some of us can't taste it, see it, but some of us can feel it. And if you know it's there, it's real because eternal life is real. But the water she was talking about, let me give an example without saying a product's name because I don't want to get sued, but there's a couple waters out there that are for sale. There's actual salt put in them to make you thirsty again. You can't really taste it, but it's there, I assure you. And the whole manufacturer grift is this. You know what a grift is? It's a con artist. It's someone that's trying to sell you a product that's actually not what it says it really is. So, oh, drink this water. You'll never thirst again. Product so-and-so in this bottle. Basically, the water that Jesus was talking about had no salt in it. It was spiritual water. But this salt water. That's what I want to call it. That this woman was talking about. You'll thirst again. You'll want more. You're going to need more. It's going to go through your body. You're going to, you know, get rid of it, obviously, 
have to drink some more because obviously the desert is a place where we sweat and we get dehydrated. Then the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. And that, by the way, my friends, is with an explanation point. He said, I'm saying this, by the way, when I'm, <laughs> he said, go call your husband and then come back. She said, I have no husband. That's nicely put, Jesus said. I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worship God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Then Jesus said, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. Wow, that's deep. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Ooh, we're going to stop right there. We're ending at verse 22 in John 4 because I want to do a pause. I want to talk about this Susie Q, a.k.a. Samaritan woman. She was a woman that was possibly full of shame. She didn't want anyone to see her. She wanted to hide because obviously in those days, 2,000 years ago, there was gossip going around about this particular woman. Y'all, they might not have had social media like we do. Like we got these phones. We have like texting, all these social media apps, all these news apps, television, newspapers, magazines. And guess what? It's our gossip line. We talk about everybody on those objects. We talk about everyone on the internet, on the television, in our newspapers and we spread rumors and we spread lies and we, we spread like, what if I wonder this, I saw her with this guy. I saw her with that guy. Whoa, that's her fourth husband. <gasps> wait a second. She got divorced four times now. No, wait a second. She's not even married to the fifth guy. She's living with him. <gasps> oh, scandal. Oh my gosh. She is a whore. No, she's a harlot. No, she's just promiscuous. No, that girl's a black widow. I mean, come on. Every husband had money. That girl's a gold digger. Girl, she just should have been a call girl. No, girl, uh-uh. She should have been a stripper. Would have been a lot easier and upfront because at least strippers, they tell you, hey, I'm a stripper. It's pretty obvious. This woman, obviously, was having a high maintenance with her relationships. Why would you go through five different people? And we don't know how old, doesn't say how old she was, but we do know that she had five men in her life. That shows some dysfunction. My friends, 
I don't want to start crying, but when I was younger, I got abused as a little girl when I was eight, nine years old sexually by a neighbor of mine. And as I look back at my life and I go through trauma therapy and I see these different spots of my memory connecting and I see the promiscuity happening in my life, blossoming into this way of life that I didn't understand that I was going because I just wanted to be noticed and loved. My daddy didn't know how to show that. My dad was hitting my mom in front of us kids. My brothers were getting beat by my father. We were getting yelled at. I got hit by my father as well, but not beat like my brothers. But my life at home was completely dysfunctional as it could be. But on the outward appearance, we looked very normal. We looked like a family that, oh, your dad was in the Air Force? Oh, that's great. Oh, your dad's a manager at that company? That's awesome. Oh, your dad's really smart. He became the manager or the boss right away. In my life, I wore garage sale clothing, hand-me-downs. We had little school tickets for lunch. We were given free lunch passes because my mom and dad's money that came in from their jobs, we were below the income level of normal. And so I would hide my lunch tickets and just starve during lunch because it was super embarrassing for me to give a, a lunch ticket. I can't remember if they were green or yellow, but I remember trying to like rip it up in little pieces because I didn't want anyone to know that we were poor. It was embarrassing to me. So in a lot, a lot of ways, I think about this woman at the well and I think about myself as a little girl trying to hide the dysfunction in our family and trying to hide the fact that we were not wealthy, that we didn't have a lot of money, that we were getting government cheese. And so the other part that makes me get a little thoughtful for her and I have empathy and compassion for this woman is the fact that everybody was possibly talking about her in not a good light. And she did not want to be seen or just possibly just tapped on her shoulder like, oh, hey, Susie Q, how's Larry? Oh, hey, Susie Q, what happened to Tom? Oh, hey, Susie Q, did you have an abortion or did you have a miscarriage? Because obviously if she had husbands or men in her life, how do you not get pregnant? Did you have children? Doesn't say that. Did you have abortions? It doesn't say that. But trust me, with sexual activity, and sexual immorality, that's some of what happens. Diseases happen, pregnancies happen. This is part of life that is realities today that was happening way back then. When you read the Bible, you cannot look at it like a manuscript from a movie because it reads in some instances like black and white, like these are the facts, this is what we see, this is what we observed. But in all reality, some emotions are left out. Heavy details are usually left out. What each party was thinking, each subject was thinking in each story. Look at the woman in the well, there's no name. She's called the Samaritan woman. We're calling her today, Susie Q. Let me tell you why I picked the name Susie Q. Because when I was a little girl, my grandpa, on my mom's side of the family, he could never remember my name. So he would call me Susie Q. And then sometimes he would call me Lori Annie. My name's Annie Lori, so 
at least he got part of it right. But I had a cousin named Susie. And so I think he got us mixed up. We were about the same age. Our birthdays were four days apart. If you're watching, holla, Susie, cousin Susie. Funny, right? I'm thinking about actually five days apart our birthdays are. But I think grandpa got us confused. And I say that name because my grandpa couldn't remember her name, couldn't remember our name. And it kind of made me feel a certain type of way when I was little. I got a little mad at first, but I didn't say anything to him. But it kind of made me feel like, why does he not remember my name? That means a lot to a little kid. So anyway, this woman, I got a lot of empathy and compassion. As you see, Jesus didn't point out and say, hey, you promiscuous woman. Hey, you sinner. Hey, you know, everyone's talking about you. I heard all about you. That's why I showed up at noon because I knew you were coming here. But trust and believe that Jesus saw foresight. He knew she was going to be there. He knew she also had a big mouth. Did you notice that about this woman? Because as we come to the end of the story, you're going to find out that her mouth did not stay closed for what just happened to her. Jesus called her out, but in such a beautiful way. He didn't do it in a condemning way. He didn't do it in a, look what I found out about you, you secret keeper. He did it in such a gentle way. It gave her the courage to just say, well, yeah, but uh, she changed the subject, actually. Let's go back and see what she did, because it's actually a little humorous how she switched the conversation. And I think sometimes that's what we do. We don't go back to the original conversation because we're too embarrassed. But somehow this woman knew that Jesus was reading her mail because she said so in verse 19 to 20. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worship God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, right? Then we go down to 23 through 24. It's, it's who you are and the way you live, Jesus said, that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. So he's saying to her, hey, don't josh me. You're changing the subject, sister. Sister Susie, you're changing the subject. But he didn't say, hey, you little liar. Why are you trying to avoid the subject? He's being gentle with her. That's the kind of people the father is looking out for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. That's beautiful, right? He was just telling her, hey, it's better to be honest in front of God. So in other words, I'm reading your mail and you're not telling me the truth, but here's what God wants from us as a people. He wants us to be truthful to the spirit. Then it says in verse 25, the woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Whoa. She knows he's coming. Friends, we know the second coming's coming, right? We know Jesus is coming back one day. 
And then Jesus said in verse 26, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, the disciples came back. They were shocked. Wow. Why? Because Jesus was not supposed to be talking to this woman. This woman was considered half-breed, remember? She was not worthy of being talked to. And even back then, did you know that the Jewish men were not allowed to look at these women? They had to turn their heads away or look down at the ground. They weren't allowed to look them in the eyes. That's how half-breed they were. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. What do you mean, what kind of woman? Susie Q, that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. So apparently she got uncomfortable friends. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Woo! Hey, this lady, that's ending at verse 30. We're not done though, friends. So let's continue. She went with her big mouth, like I told you she was going to do. And she went to brag about prophet Jesus, that he read her mail. In other words, maybe even in this other little town that the disciples went to go get their food, people knew about her there too. But at this point, Susie Q didn't care. Miss Samaritan woman didn't care anymore. She just told them, hey, could this be the Messiah? She just let it all out and realized, wow. This man knows about my past. He knows right where I'm at. And he didn't even like say, hey, you better stop what you're doing, Susie Q. You're going to go to hell. See, that's the problem with our churches or some evangelistic groups. You go for the gutter. I should say the juggler vein, not the gutter. You go for the juggler vein and you take the Bible and you bash it against people's heads and you go right for the sin. Okay, woman, you're an adulteress. You're a harlot. You're not supposed any woman that got divorced back in those days was considered a harlot. You guys look it up. I'm not lying. Okay. You're considered promiscuous. You're considered an adulteress. You're cheating on your husband with another man and also Another form of prostitution, harlotry, is cheating on God. Friends, this is an important message today. Just like I told you before, these people are coming to our churches. And we have to be ready for the women at the well. We have to be ready for the Susie Q's that are coming to look for a water, to drink that's refreshing, that doesn't make them thirsty, that's not full of salt, that welcomes them, that fills them up with truth, that fills them up with hope, and fills them up with forgiveness. Because truth does not hold back 
but love covers a multitude of sins. We don't have to immediately look at someone's sin and say, hmm, well, you walked in here. I need you to get to the altar and repent of all your sins right now, Lady Susie Q. No, he didn't say that to her. He just said, hey, if you're going to worship God, you need to think, I want you to worship God with your full heart and full spirit and truth from who you really are. Now, if we can do that, God can see everything inside of us and we don't have to cover anything up. And he accepts us just the way we are. Friends, I'm out of time right now. You're just going to have to come back to part two because part two is really good. I'm going to talk about evangelism and the true spiritual food that we all need to be doing and eating the way Jesus shared with his disciples because it is true that there's a type of hunger that we all need to have for women that are coming to the well. And I'll just not say women, people, children that are coming to the well, looking thirsty, looking for a drink. Are you ready to give that cold cup of water of faith and love and acceptance? Come back next week, my friends. I'll see you soon. My name is Annie Lobert, and you've been on Annie's Pink Chair. I'll see you soon. We need partners like you to step up and stand with our ladies and say, I believe in your now. I believe in your healing and your future. And here's my $20 a month. Here's my $50 a month. Here's my $500 a month to go towards your healing, to go towards your trauma therapy, to go towards your cooking classes, to go towards your job readiness classes, to go towards your college. This is what I want to give as a gift to these wonderful human beings that are being restored from the horrible ravages of trafficking. I'm one of the ladies. I wish I had this program when I was getting out of trafficking. Unfortunately, I didn't. But we have it here at Destiny House and another house we have, Dream House. It's our house that the graduates go to when they get out of this property and they transition into their job, into their schooling, into getting their own car and their own place, independent living. We really need your support. We can use your support. Please join us in this fight. It doesn't take that much. You can give it for coffee for the day. You can give up that country ride you're gonna take with your friends or, or that weekend vacation. Give us a support because we are in need of monthly donors just like you. And by you giving a dollar or more or a thousand dollars from a dollar to 10,000, whatever that looks like, you are going to be changing someone's lives. And our lives that we work with are precious. Please join us today and go to pinkchair.org, click on donate, join us in the fight against sex trafficking. Hi, Annie Lobert here. And I talk a lot about my story and I relate it to a lot of the talks I have with my guests and my own little preaches that I do on this show. And I just wanted to inform you about my book that I wrote. This was my name when I was in the game, Fallon. My name was Fallon York, but this is Fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the Savior. Super simple. Go to our website, pinkchair.org. You can get your own book. This reads like a movie. But not only that, my friends, this shows you what sex trafficking is in our own backyard, the United States. 
It also talks about the destiny house, a place and also the dream house where we bring our victims of trafficking to turn them into victors of trafficking, where they get trauma therapy, they get stabilized from their terrible abuses they've been through, and they have equine therapy, art therapy, they get their own personal trainer. You guys name it, they get it. Would you please go to pinkchair.org and click on donate, become a monthly partner. It's super easy to give up a coffee once a month, isn't it? Or maybe a shopping spree. Wouldn't it be nice to donate that to our housing? We have two houses and three apartments. Thank you so much for donating.